Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode number 75. doing what's new in your lives in your quarantines are you free from quarantine are you in a part of the world where we don't have to deal with this anymore are you free are you in california cooped up from the fires that seems pretty terrible god you know we had a lot of forest fires when i was growing up in alaska but nothing like this i've seen i've seen yellow sun but only for a day or two and not with that kind of heat it's just my heart goes out to you It is day 187 of our quarantine here in Chatham County, North Carolina. uh, I've spent a lot of time at the house, it turns out, and I kind of like it. I like my house. Uh, You know, I I have discovered that domesticity and I kind of go well together. I've always kind of known this. And, you know, I'm 48 years old. I I rocked out for a long time. I I partied for a long time. I I, I went out on the nightlife for a long time. I I consumed the alcohol for a long time. And I had a good time. I had a good time in my life. I'm not going to lie. But I always kind of knew in the back of my head, you know, if you want to do all of the things, you got to kind of like figure that some of the things take a long time. Like I want to be friends with my adult child, which means you got to do that at a certain point in your life so that you're still alive when that child becomes an adult. And so, you know, I I've, I've really subconsciously always been mapping out my life and, and this is a little sooner and a little more domesticity than I was probably planning on, but it's, it's in the right ballpark. It's in the right order of magnitude. I, I expected more. My thinking was it would be sort of like when you diet or, you know, quit drinking for a while and like, maybe I would take breaks from it. And that's really what I've been doing for the last few years. I've been very domestic. And then I go on a trip then I go, you know, go to New York and or go to a rock show or whatever, but now I'm not doing those things. And I definitely miss them, but this is a good life I have. I I feel profoundly lucky at where and when I was in my life when this horrible, horrible pandemic and quarantine hit us all. Uh, You know, my career is established. I have the the child. I'm basically forced to spend the quality time, the most formative moments in my child's life. That's pretty awesome. She's doing pretty well. She's talking. She's writing. She's reading a little bit. She's counting. She's arguing a lot. She's throwing a lot of fits. She's a very passionate kid. Definitely got a little bit of her dad in there compared to her mom. You know, Emma, Emma's pretty wise. I'm not going to lie. And she's definitely more Zen than I am. She has a lot of like sort of, sort of Zen proverbs or outlook on life that I always find sort of to be these epiphanies, you know. I would say she's definitely like focused on managing her emotions. She likes to keep an even keel. But, and so she does these little manipulations. Sometimes they're fun and funny. Like there's certain books she won't read because she just feels too passionately for the characters, you know, or, or, uh, you know, like she has these very complex routines to not get herself too psyched up for a movie she's secretly very excited about. And that stuff I can't really, you know, I don't really, it doesn't really work for me. But she said something very wise the other day about this whole, you know, pre election period. She's like, well, if we lose this election, you're going to be really upset for a very long time. And so these could be the last days you're not going to be upset. So you need to find a way to work on it and help where you can, but not be stressed out all the time about it. Oh, sounds like my daughter is scooting a chair upstairs. We'll just take a little pause and wait for that to finish. 
All right, I guess that's done. Anyway, uh, she said that to me, and I thought it was very wise. These might be the last days for quite some time you can even be remotely happy, so stop worrying about it. Do what you can to help, but try and enjoy yourself. And it really, you know, she said that to me probably three or four weeks ago, and it's had a big impact. The last few days have been a pretty good place. Perhaps I would even say some of the happiest I've been in my life, which I recognize is totally screwed up based on what's going on in the world, but uh, I feel good. It's kind of nice, you know? Oh, sorry about the bump of the mic. Oof. Faux pas. My old boss at the radio station would have been very upset with me about that. But yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. We got four new kitties. Uh, three black and one calico. The black ones are all boys. The calico is a girl. They are super adorable. I'm totally dreading the day we have to choose which ones to keep because I want to keep them all this time. I just think they're so great. And, you know, I, I recognize that you can let them go. My friend Lisa talked to me, to me about it. She prepared me and she talked about how it helps to see them in the good homes. And one of the people that adopted two of the last ones, two of the gingers is on Instagram and Emma follows her and they look like they're in a happy home and that helps. But I just really love this new batch and uh, I'm going to be really sad when any of them go. And I kind of want to keep them all, but keeping four cats is not practical. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but it's nice. It's nice to have them back. Jane doesn't know about them yet. These guys are a little bit younger than the last batch. They're a little bit more shy. They had never seen daylight. They were only about two months old. And the woman that was taking care of them, she had to keep them in a bathroom. She had a bunch of other cats. You know, she's doing what she can. But uh, so we're acclimating them. They're used to us. They're used to the sunlight. I think they can meet Jane. <laughs> Me, baby. Pretty soon. <laughs> That'll go well. So we speak in code around Jane about the cats. She doesn't know they're here. We call them tiny felines. <laughs> she understands a lot, a lot more than you realize. And you catch her real like, jeez. Oh, uh, I had to pull a good place on her because she started swearing and it was really bad. So that, that's been modified. Now she says, what the fork and forking shirt balls. And now we stop. We, we're, we're aware of it. I always knew the day would come. I'd have to stop swearing in front of her. And it, it, I, I, it went on a little too long, but I think we've, we've got it out of her. And uh, she's back on track with that. Speaking of back on track, I'm back on my diet. Uh, I've been doing it really, yeah, two weeks now. Since uh, the day, I think I probably talked about it then, the day of the last podcast was the first day of the diet. I got off the antibiotics. Is that right? No, I guess it was a week. I don't know. Uh, let's look. Yeah, two weeks. It's been two weeks today. I've lost 11 pounds. It's pretty good. Uh, it goes fast at the beginning and then it slows down. Um, actually, maybe 12 pounds I've lost. Uh, yeah, 12. So I'm happy with that. That was a good first start. It's always really hard when you go into week two or three because the, the first week I can lose like eight, nine, ten pounds right away. It's amazing. And it's because it's like water and poop and shit. <laughs> water and shit and shit. And uh, then it slows down. But, you know, it's still going. Uh, it feels good. Uh, my belly's already a little smaller. My mood's a little bit better. And I, I, I still miss drinking. I still miss eating all the wacky, crazy, terrible food I was eating. But uh, it's the right thing to do, and I'm into it. Uh, um, yeah. And then I was like, I've got this weight chart that's been many years of my life. And, uh, I realized like I'm even now, right now I'm 25 pounds over my, the lowest I ever got in the years of dieting when I was hardcore. I'm only, you know, I'd gained some back pre pre COVID. Uh, so wait, is that right? No, I'm 35 pounds up and I'm 15 up still from pre COVID. So, you know, I'd like to lose those 15, but I really want to lose all 35. I'd like to just sort of, you know, get back to that low weight. And it's funny when I got that low weight, I was like, I can't even believe I weighed that little. And I went back and read my journal and I was just like, God damn it. I wasn't even lower today. Like I never even stopped to appreciate it. You know what I mean? So this time I made a vow. If I can get to that weight again, I'm going to stop and appreciate it. 
But uh, yeah, I got a ways to go. But what else am I going to do? I think I can make a big dent in it before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is going to be kind of a shit show, of course. It always is. But, uh, you know, we got two and a half months. October. Yeah, two and a half months. So we can, I think we're going to make a big dent. Uh, the gardening is going well. I got a hundred Thai peppers off my plants this morning. That was pretty insane. I got five big tomatoes and about 20 cherries, 40, uh, shishitos, 40, uh, serranos, 40 cayenne peppers, about five jalapeno peppers. I eat a lot of peppers. I eat like six peppers a day. So, you know, I need a lot of peppers and my goal is to try to grow enough peppers to get through the winter. Uh, I think I've got about 12 or 13 weeks of peppers frozen now. So I'm making good progress. I'm making good progress. I've got a whole second garden going on down here outside my studio. It's got, uh, I planted some broccoli last weekend. Went and got some broccoli from Home Depot. Planted some more, a ton more basil. Got some uh, radishes, snow peas, three more cucumber plants, a new cherry tomato plant. Because I thought the old ones were like not producing anymore, but then boom, they just started producing again. So I'm just going to be overwhelmed with tomatoes for the rest of the year, basically. But yeah, it's going pretty well. Snow peas are still a little rough because it's still a little too hot, but I got a new batch going in the garage. And uh, the garlic died, which is a little bit of a bummer. I just planted garlic I got at the store, at the grocery store. People said you could do it. And I did, and it took. But it, then I I was like, I think it's growing. And I pulled it out, and there was nothing there. It was just the, the stem. I don't know. Maybe I should have left it in for months. I, I got to see how long it takes to grow garlic. I messed that up. So I'm going to try that again. But uh, it's uh, it's it really helps. It makes me feel a lot better. I'm gonna, I've, I've been researching composting. I'm going to start a compost pile for the in the winter. Uh, save the soil I have now from the containers in one sort of uh, chicken wire four by three by three bin, and then next to it I'm going to compost three by three bin where I'm going to use the leaves when the fall comes, and the chicken shit from the the guy now from Levi next door is giving me his his chicken droppings, so I've got a bucket I'll have a bucket and I'm putting the compost bin sort of on this little trail between our two properties so he can just leave it there. It's pretty close to his chicken coop, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna hopefully the goal for next year is that I don't need to buy a bunch of potting soil, right? I'm I'm going to buy a, a bag of vermiculite, maybe some worm castings, but those are cheap and you just buy one and I don't need to buy like, I think about like 40 bags of potting soil. So I'm going to try and, you know, reinvigorate and re and re-nutrientize my soil over the winter. Um, you know, we use a garbage disposal now, so we don't really throw away to the dump or anything, all of our vegetation. It just goes out into the yard and it's composting in the grass. But I think I'll use some of that in the compost pile. Kind of depends. You know, I got to balance the, uh, the oxygen and the nitrogen, but leaves and chicken shit should do it pretty much on its own. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. So that's my plan. I've been watching a lot of instructional videos on composting. It's very exciting. Uh, and next, I got to figure out if I can get water from the pond to do irrigation. That's like kind of a project I want to do. And then the grapes thing. I need to I need to build a grape trellis. So I've been watching a lot of videos on you know pole post post planting and set concrete around posts and. Stuff like that. Uh, but I got like nine months to do that. And then I plant the grapes in like March. And then it'll take over at least two years, maybe three, before they start graping. But I don't really care if they grape. That'll be a bonus. I just want like the, the vines. I think it'll look really nice. So that's kind of my plan. Uh, I got to like make a Photoshop render of it first <laughs> to get Emma's approval on it. So I'm working on it. But uh, yeah, I got some hobbies around the house. It's a good time. I've been rearranging the studio. <laughs> Sean Drinkwater, a very close friend of mine. He was my best man. He, uh, he has some wise words that when you hit a creative block, you should you should re re rearrange the studio and clean the studio. So I, I've been doing that. I had this epiphany, right? Like 
I'm going to build a shelf over there. Like this one part in the studio, cause we're running out of bookshelf space in the house and we need it. And then like, but so that got me thinking about the studio, but like it gave me this epiphany about something that turned out to be completely unrelated to the shelf. Cause at first I was like, Oh, amazing. I can put all this stuff on the shelf. I have so much more room. Um, cause like, I have like all my grandfather's old writings. He was like a moderately successful. He wasn't successful, but he was a moderately published, well-known writer in the, in the 1950s. And, uh, anyway, it's all in the storage unit. I need to get it back here, stuff like that. But anyway, so I moved my Fender amp, my dual showman out of the corner up onto a counter. I scooted all the keyboards down, which when I could scoot the keyboards down next to my desk, the Rhodes and the Rafisa. And that gave me like an extra two feet of space on my desk, which was really exciting. And then I have this TV on my desk and, uh, like, like a flat screen sort of like for when I want to watch movies in here or like, especially news events and Apple keynotes, stuff like that. And, uh, I mounted it on the wall. So like, it occurred to me, I could do this, right? The thing's huge. It's 50, uh, it's 45 inches, 50 pounds. And, uh, but it's right by a beam in the house, like a structural beam. So I could get, uh, like a vase mount and I mounted it like 18 inches up. So I could push what was left on the desk up behind it. It's awesome, man. I can't tell you how much I, I spent a lot, a lot of time yesterday dealing with monitors, that whole thing. And then, one of the monitors in my computer broke and that was this whole thing. I got, a, I ordered a new monitor and it came, but it was dead on arrival. And I found an old one in the closet that I don't know where it came from. I think it was Emma's. And I was like, well, this is a perfectly good monitor. And I haven't done, I put that one there to tide me over because I had to return the dead on arrival one. But then that one, the reason it was in the closet is because it was broken and it was super dim and uh, they're all in a vase amount. And like, I don't know if you know about Apple displays, you know, the like, they're all aluminum with that cool, like, curvy stand but they're impossibly hard to take that stand off and mount with a vase amount and it's even harder to put the stand on and i had to do it three times since i last spoke to you guys and it was just a nightmare but it's done and uh yeah it's awesome i don't know it makes me very happy and all that you know like especially when i mentioned the sean quote like probably sounds like i haven't been getting other stuff done but i've actually been being pretty productive you know it's it's uh it's pretty good uh, you know, let's see, uh, kind of doing this a little bit out of order. I talked about Jamie. I should talk a little bit more about Jamie before I move on. She's doing great. She's awesome. She, we pick out a dress every morning. Uh, she's not into t-shirts right now, but I'm going to switch it up and get her back into t-shirts as it cools off. You know, it was so hot, like all summer, it was just like dresses or shorts and, and no shoes. So she could have like her bare feet on the cool ceramic floor down here. But, uh, as we go into fall, I'll start doing some, some sweaters and some te- some shirts and stuff like that. <laughs> My time with Jane is definitely a lot less, uh, tumultuous than Emma's time with Jane. She throws a lot more fits when Emma's around. And if we're both around, she throws fits, but if it's just me and her, she does occasionally throw a fit, but I, I can do a whole bedtime on my own. I did one yesterday, gave Emma the night off cause she's been overworked and, uh, Jane doesn't really like throw a bunch of fits with me the way she does with Emma. It's kind of interesting and we don't know why. I mean, I think it's just inherent mommy stuff, right? This is like woman is an extension of her. So she's frustrated that it doesn't operate like an extension of her. She's weaned more or less. So she doesn't have that connection to mommy. I don't know. There's a lot of theories. I don't think it's anything I'm doing better. I don't think it's like I'm, you know, a better parent or anything like that. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, so we've just been sort of like, I've been watching her as much as I can because Emma's got a ton of work. My work has been a lot better the last two weeks. Uh, it was really intense two weeks ago and the last two weeks have been pretty good. The, the, there was one remaining emergency and then that sort of faded away. We'll talk about that later. But anyway, so I've been spending as much time with Jane as, uh, 
I can. And it's been really pleasant. She's just awesome. You know, she's really into words. All she wants to do is write all the time. She can do the key commands to pop up the emoji menu on the Mac. It's, it's nuts, man. She's awesome. She's awesome. Let's see. So yeah, projects, media projects. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm really obsessed with my label printer. I'm so obsessed. I sent one to my friend, Emily, cause I was like, you need a label printer. They make life better. Uh, early birthday present. And I labeled all my old glasses cases. I've been labeling, you know, I've been doing all this rewiring on the computer. All the cables on my computer and studio setup have these like little cable ties with tabs on them, on them, right? Like, uh, I've always labeled the cables, not always, but for the last few years, cause it makes your life easier. There's like 10 things going in the back of the iMac. You need to be labeled, right? But now I'm, instead of using a little Sharpie on the tab, I'm using the label maker and it makes me so happy. I can't even tell. I can't even tell you, man. Little domestic things that just make your life a little harmonious. It really helps. You know, it's like, it's like sanding. I just feel like I'm trying to sand off the rough edges of the internal existence in this house because the world outside the house is so terrible. If I could smooth things in here and I can feel like a little bit more safe. I spend a lot of time pretending I'm like, I'm on a generation ship, like Wally kind of thing, or, you know, more like silent running maybe, or Battlestar Galactica. And then the ship is like separate from the rest of the world. And you have to entertain yourself only with what's on the ship. And, uh, it works, it works, but, um, yeah, so the journals, uh, I re, I've been reprinting a few volumes of the old journals with the 20, 30 pages of journal entries that I found in notebooks when I was doing mixtape playlists. And so I sent one off. I think last time I talked to you, I got a bad reprint, but I got a good reprint back on that one. The 1988 journal, my high school journal. Oh my God, it's so great. What an absurd read. Uh, so that worked great. So then I did the 99 or 98 and 2000 journals also had about 20, 30 pages of new material I found. So I reprinted those and I've sent off for those to be ordered. Um, I got the Japanese Trek translation out to the Japanese translator. He has to approve and proof the PDF and Emma still needs to do the cover. And then I got to write the forward, a new Japanese only forward that I think I'll touch on, you know, the coronavirus and probably Picard. But uh, I got the part done that needed most immediately doing, so I feel really good about that. I was definitely like in sort of a roadblock on my projects for a while, and this week I've been really getting them all out. The slides came back. My, my uncle's slides, about 200 slides he sent to me. I sent to the digitization place. It took like two and a half months. They just came back yesterday via FedEx, so I've got all those, and I'm going to start. I can start working on the photo books, the rest of the photo books. That's going to be tomorrow, all day tomorrow. is photo stuff. I'm very, very excited about it. I'll get these photo books out for the family for, for Christmas. I think I got enough time, so that is very, very exciting. I have not bought any Blu-rays at Walmart lately. There's not any good new ones. Didn't haven't ordered any, but uh, I've been adding stuff to Plex, some stuff from uh, Netflix. I added Tremors. If you're a Tremors fan, my friend Doug and I were talking about it. I added a better version of This is the End, which is just a hilarious movie, and I added all the bonus footage to that. There wasn't a lot, though. Uh, Toxic Avenger, if you're a Toxic Avenger fan. I hadn't watched that in a long time. And... Uh, Another despecialized version is Star Wars, 1977 Star Wars. I have all three of the Hermes despecialized editions up there. But there's another project out going on I learned about called 4K77. Um, there's a third Star Wars restoration project, this totally insane dude who has been doing like additive restoration using multiple original prints. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and he did like a live... Uh, He's been working on it for like 30 years. He did a live Q&A on YouTube. It was, he, he's got some emotional issues. 
and he's a trumper, but the print looks fantastic. It's definitely better than the Hermes Despecialized or the other one I just put up, which is called the 4K 77 edition, where they have been scanning original theatrical prints of Star Wars into 4K, and they've been doing those. They're doing Empire and Jedi as well, but uh, 4K 77 Star Wars is up on the Plex as well. The crazy guy isn't putting his out. He He's holding out for money from Disney, basically. He did a presentation to Disney, and he thinks he's going to get money from them, but I don't think he's going to because he's like a weird trumper, and it's like going to be problematic for the Disney brand and so we will probably never see that light of day. He puts a, a bunch of samples on Vimeo and they're very impressive. He's compared the samples to 4K77 and uh, Harmy and they blow it away honestly but I don't know that we'll ever see the whole thing but anyway thanks to him for teaching me about 4K77 so I put that one up. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, I haven't done a bunch of four tracks since I last talked to you. I'm going to do some tomorrow as well. Uh, it's been a lot of studio reorgan, this monitor's problem and stuff like that. And the books, uh, last weekend I got a lot done. Oh, I did a ton of gardening stuff last weekend. That's why I didn't get any four track stuff done. I had to go to Lowe's. I had to like plant my, all the broccolis. We've got six new broccoli plants going. I, I did a ton, but I didn't get to the four track. So that's, that's coming this week. I did just rewire the cassette deck and the four track in when I did the studio reorg so they're ready to go so hopefully by the time i talk to you next time we'll have some new music up on the four track stuff from you know my old 90s bands man let's turn to music i have been listening to a ton of new music there's a lot of good stuff out there Uh, i sold a bunch too weirdly the other day i was on a zoom on thursday with some friends and during the zoom two different separate orders for four and five CDs respectively came in on Discogs. And I was like, Oh my God, I hadn't had an order in like a week or two. I've been selling like one CD every two weeks, as you may have noticed, but this week I sold eight. So that's actually, I just sold a ninth. I just sold a collective soul CD today. It was Emma's. It was already ripped. I don't even know what collective souls sound like. They're not really my thing. The name gives me profound discomfort. So I didn't re-rip it or listen to it. I just sent it off this morning. Uh, and then the other ones I sold, I sold a deer hoof CD, a Fen Maggie, uh, I have mixed feelings about Deerhoof. Uh, I've seen them a bunch. Last couple shows are really good. At the beginning, they were really bad. So I guess props to them for progressing as a band. Was never a giant fan though. But I did. You know what? By the end, I enjoyed seeing them live. Uh, and then I sold a main CD. I don't know if you know of main. It's kind of this like drone ambient uh, drone band spinoff of another drone band called Loop, but far more ambient. I was really, really obsessed with Maine in the 90s, and I hadn't thought about them in ages. I've been really newly obsessed with Loop. They reunited right before I left New York. I got to see Loop in my life. That was fucking awesome. Saw them at La Poisson Rouge. Never thought I was going to see Loop. (laughs) That was just amazing. Um, But Maine, I haven't really gotten into again. So I listened to Firmament 3. It's way more ambient than I thought. I remember Maine being kind of a little bit more on the Godflesh side, like droney, almost like grindcore. But this was very sparse and and, and almost pretty. So I'm going to go listen to some more Maine. Uh, I'm going to go listen to Firmament 1 and 2. I'm going to listen to Hertz. I have all the Maine. I have all of it on vinyl. I was completely obsessed. It's kind of neurotic. So, yeah, I guess I'll go listen to a bunch of Maine again. I barely remember them. Uh, I sold the El Tomorrow's Parties comp. Uh, just one of those free comps they give you at Altamar's party. Somebody wanted that. That's pretty cool. Sold a Nico Case CD. It was Tikva's. I don't really know what it sounds like. Fuck Confessor Brings the Flood. Nico Case was mean to a friend of mine once. <laughs> so everybody loves Nico Case, but I, I don't know. I don't trust her, man. <laughs> 
nah, whatever, it's fine. I, I used to really like her. But uh, Tara Jane O'Neill, that was also Tikva's, and I didn't know she had it because I was a huge Tara Jane O'Neill fan back in the day. Also, I follow her on Twitter. She's pretty funny on Twitter. Uh, it's called You Sound Reflect. I, I sold the original first CD, American CD pressing of Nick Caves from Her to Eternity. I sold a Crescent CD. I, I don't, you know, I like don't remember. Crescent had somebody in it. Actually, I'm going to pause and look this up. Okay, I looked it up. I couldn't remember why I had this Crescent CD. It was on Atavistic Records. It was called Sun. But uh, the reason I had it is because three of the members in Crescent were in Movie Tone, and I love the Movie Tone, so that's why I had it. I didn't remember what it sounded like other than that. I remember when I bought it, I thought it was a little hard for me, and I listened to it, and it's actually really good. It's pretty interesting. Um, it's on Spotify. It's just Crescent self-titled four-track EP, but uh, it's sort of like a little bit more like Magnog, like the sort of mellow but frenetic psyche kind of drone like movie i don't know it's hard if you it's hard to explain if you know it sounds like magnog basically <laughs> but uh, i really liked it uh, i sold uh, this is interesting i sold it my copy of heresy by the virgin prunes which i just bought recently right because I, I own heresy on vinyl and i wanted it so i bought that like two months ago on cd off of discogs and then i ripped it because i already own it on vinyl and then I just put it back over sale and I sold it again. I've done this four or five times and it's so satisfying when it sells again. You're like, yes, it happened with Puka. It happened with a few other bands. And it's just, it's nice because it's like somebody else out there needs a CD copy of Heresy and we pass it on, you know, it's almost like a rental club or something that made me really happy. And then a two CD comp called Macro Dub Infection that is awesome. And I remember from back in the day, it's like Sounds of Bristol, drub, tri dub, trip hop, um, you know, like Massive Attack meets the Mad Professor is on it. That was like the first time I think I discovered the Mad Professor. It's a really great CD comp. I'm going to listen to that again. It's in the queue. But I sold that as well. Got a bunch of vinyl in the mail. God, that's so much. First off, I would like to say my deepest heartfelt thanks goes out to my friend Gareth Kay, who lives in San Francisco. He uh, went out for Record Store Day. So here we had one store. We have one, two great record stores. Only one was doing a Record Store Day. And it was a lottery this year, right? Like you basically emailed them, signed up for the lottery, and they told you if you got in, and then you got a spot, and you know, two people in the store at the time. I did not get a lottery set. I didn't get a place. Uh, I'm not even sure I would have pulled it off anyway because of Jane and all that. But, um, so, you know, I didn't get to do record store day and there's a bunch of stuff I wanted, but Gareth was doing it and he asked me, Hey, did you get anything? Cause in past record store days, we've, you know, compared our, our halls. And I was like, no, I told him my plight and he's like, that's cool. I'm going two more places. Send me your list. And so I sent him my list and he got me everything on my list across two stores there. His friend doing his record store day in London for him. It was amazing. So he got me the new Wolfgang press and yes, it's a new Wolfgang press. It is three songs. The last three songs they ever recorded, uh, but they're really good and they pressed the vinyl. It's not on Spotify yet. So like, it's kind of crazy. Like there are three new Wolfgang press songs, which just blows my mind and they're only on vinyl right now. So super psyched to get that. Uh, he got me the Greg Dooley seven inch, uh, ghost, uh, Greg Dooley from his new solo album's got some stuff going on. He got me the new third man repressing of Billy Eilish's live at third man records, which is awesome. Cause I, I like that early Billy Eilish record a lot. The first one, I think there's only one still, right? Anyway, I really liked it. And I really like, I always wanted this live at third man thing, but it's like cost some mint. So they got a, did a record store day version. He got me that he got me the first and also the trees record. He got on vinyl pressing. I have almost all the, and also the trees records on vinyl already but i never had that first self-titled one and it's a beautiful pressing it's on green green vinyl it matches the trees on the cover and oh yeah man it's so goth like and also the trees got like more sophisticated later in their career and sort of like became a little bit more swingy uh kind of like nick cave in the sort of boatman's call era 
but the first one, you know, it's produced by the Tollhurst from The Cure, and it's got Robert Smith on a track, and it's just so goth. It's awesome. It's like raw, unadulterated 80s goth, and it just made me so happy. I think I did listen to it once back in the day or a couple of times, but I've never owned the first record. I've owned all the other ones. So that was really exciting. He got me the new Pale Saints. Uh, well, not new. He got me the Pale Saints vinyl pressing, first ever vinyl pressing of Mrs. Dolphin, which was a Japanese compilation. It only came out on CD in Japan. I actually own it. I bought it in Japan. <laughs> but, I, you know, it's on vinyl, and it's got a beautiful new cover done by this guy I know named Roy. And uh, so I really wanted that. He got that in London. It shipped to him with all his records that his friend shipped to him, and he just sent it to me today. So I don't actually have it yet, but it's coming. So that's very, very exciting. Uh, he did a great job. I'm super, super psyched. I'm deeply, profoundly thankful for Gareth for doing that. And uh, then I got some other stuff in the mail. I got a vinyl copy of Momentary Lapse of Reason by Pink Floyd because it's my favorite Pink Floyd record. Don't at me. <laughs> you know, it's the only Pink Floyd record that came out new when I was paying attention. I guess later on Pulse, but, you know, whatever. Uh, I really love it. I love Learning to Fly. I love On the Turning Away. There's a lot of great songs on there. And uh, I, always, I, you know, it's one of the first CDs I ever bought. And I wanted to own it on vinyl, so I bought it on vinyl. Uh, I got Harry Nilsson's Son of Dracula soundtrack. <laughs> I was talking about this with my friend Nick. Uh, Nicky, not not Wilmington Nick, New York Nicky. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, Harry Nilsson's Dracula movie with Ringo Starr. He's like, what? And I was like, it's on my Plex. You should watch it. I was like, also, the soundtrack's amazing. But I didn't realize I didn't own the soundtracks. I was like, oh, my God, I got to own this on vinyl. So I bought it on vinyl. I only ever listened to it on Spotify before or something. Maybe not even Spotify. I have it, but not in physical form. But now I do, and it's awesome, and I'm very excited. Uh, it has Jump Into the Fire on it. It's not the original album that Jump Into the, Jump Into the Fire was originally on Nielsen Schmilson. But, uh, you know, it's got a different, a slightly different version, and it does have one song on this album that is not on anything else. It's called Daybreak, and it's like a Harry Nielsen single, only available on the Son of Dracula soundtrack. <laughs> Also, I've been listening to Jump in the Fire, the cover of it by Psychic TV, a lot lately. And Emma, or, I mean, Jane really likes it, too. We listen to it together. And I just think it takes me back to those Brooklyn Bowl shows, those two years where Psychic TV played, like, right around Christmas time at Brooklyn Bowl. And, not Brooklyn Bowl, Brooklyn Bazaar, uh, Brooklyn Night Bazaar. And, um, God, they were so good. Like, late period Psychic TV live shows are just so awesome. And uh, I'm really glad I got to see a bunch there before the end. And man, ooh, yeah, the cover of Jump Into the Fire they would do is just fantastic. Uh, and then I got the last Sea Cat Trance album I didn't have on vinyl called Zuava. Um, you know, I have a couple of like a couple of their comps, so I have about half this album already. But there's some Sea Cat Trance songs on there I haven't heard yet. I haven't even listened to it yet. It came in yesterday. Uh, and then there's about three Cocteau Twins EPs I don't have on vinyl, and one of them was a Kia Guinea. And the person selling the Sea Cat Trance and Pink Floyd albums also had this in. I was like, yeah, okay, it's on my list. I'm trying to get all those early Cocteau Twins. I have all the albums, but I don't have all those EPs. Uh, flesh out my vinyl. I have had the Cocteau Twins CD box set of all the EPs, but I sold that pretty early on in Discog. So I've just been trying to fill that out because uh, the Cocteau Twins are timeless and amazing, and I love them to death. Whew, yeah. Oh man, there's so much more music. It's been a, it's been an intense music week. I think that uh, you know because I'm home so much more, I don't go away every week or two, right? So every time I used to do this, there'd be three, four days I wasn't here. I was in New York and I was listening to new stuff. So, you know, it's just by nature, I'm home in front of the computer a lot more. So I'm listening to a lot more new music. So it's making the podcast a little long. I hope you guys don't mind, but, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, why does anybody listen to Rick Webb's podcast anyway? Is it for the music? Is it for the, uh, accidentally bumping the table and making feedback in the bass range like that? 
that sounds good. I should I should make an album of that. Uh, but anyway, uh, I hope uh, you know you can skip over this if you if you don't want to. But uh, I'm gonna tell you all the music I listened to. EMA, Past Life of Martyred Saints. It was awesome, but I don't remember anything about what it sounded like. Same with the next two. No, like the next. There's a few here I don't remember. I tried to make notes this week, but I didn't get to doing that till later in the week. <laughs> Kavinsky, Odd Look. That was a great record too. So I think those might have been Gareth recommendations, but they were both really good. There's a new Bully record. Bully is awesome. The record's called Prism. It is fantastic. I don't I don't know if any bully fans out there i talked about them eh, maybe a year ago when the last record came out it's a female fronted sort of little shoegaze a bit more rocky kind of sounds like now now a bit but uh, it's awesome it was a great record really into it <laughs> i guarantee you none of you have listened to this next one jim bob Jim Bob was one of the two members of an amazing band in the 90s called Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine that I and my girlfriend at the time were completely obsessed with between their albums 30 something and 1992 the Love Album. We probably saw them four times in Boston. The other man a member of the band is Fruit Bat. They're both on Twitter. They're both very good. Jim Bob it turns out has been making music the whole time. He puts out a solo album every couple years. This one is called Pop Up Jim Bob and I really enjoyed it. If it reminded me of anything in the world it mostly reminded me of Keith Top of the Pops who is another incredibly prolific, slightly humorous, punk-ish uh, English musician who makes albums all the time. And uh, the, the pop-up Jim Bob album is pretty good. Kind of deserves a second listen, maybe a third, but uh, yeah, I don't know. If you're ever a Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine fan, check out the new Jim Bob record. Uh, Widow's Peak, Even True Love, was beautiful. I don't remember a lot about it, but I really, really liked it. I, I made a note saying this is awesome, but that doesn't help me describe it to you. Uh, but yeah, it was really, really good. And then I listened to the new Erasure. It's called The Neon. It was good. Uh, ironically, in my time hop yesterday, I think like nine years ago, I saw Erasure live. But uh, I like it. It's 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 a little bit more mature. It's exactly what you think somebody in their 50s making synth pop would make a good synth pop record. It's It's not like... It's not trend hopping. It's not trying to be an electronica record. It's not like trying to be weird gothy new synth pop. It's a it's a little melodic. It's like it's got some you know some perkiness to it, but it's uh, it, I don't know. I, I feel I feel their age. I feel their their wisdom in that record. <laughs> There's a new Bruce Hornsby record. Uh, like I think it was. I think it must have been Conrad that got me back into Bruce Hornsby and the fact that he's been playing with like he had like uh, Justin Vernon on his last record and um, you know like the, the guys the people that like the dead Bruce Hornsby joined the dead back in the day I was a big Bruce Hornsby fan when I was a kid and then when he joined the dead I was like I'm done because I was anti-dead back then I've since tempered that somewhat but uh, he's making really good music and like this album is really good it's called Non-Secure Connection it's very innovative it's you know still a little piano based you can still like tell it's Bruce Hornsby the guy that did this and that's just the way it is some things will never change I learned that on piano when I was a kid uh, you can tell it's that guy, but it's like, if anything, it sounds like that mixed with Bonnie Vare, uh, and it's it's very interesting. There's not a lot going on in the world like the new Bruce Hornsby record. It is a unique record, so I really like that. I like Trains, Compromot. That is an awesome record, a little punkish, a little fun. Uh, really, really into that. And uh, Sneaks, Happy Birthday. That I think these are Gareth recommendations too. And they got one listen. I was like, yeah, these are awesome. And I started like the first four tracks of both of them. I was like, okay, these need like closer listens, and I have to be discerning and pick the songs I want to star because I'm starring every record. So that was that was kind of like needed to stop. But I would put them in the sort of the rock, the rock 
vein, you know, the uh, the modern, like, cool, p- little punk, little post-rock kind of thing, DC, Fontaine's, Priests, all those kind of bands. I was into them. Uh, I listened to two Johan Johansson records because I'm still obsessed with Johan Johansson, and I'm trying to, like, sort of slowly consume his whole uh, oeuvre. Um, oh, man, I was so excited. I was looking at the new releases up on Rough Trade, and they're like, six LP Johan Johansson set. And I was like, yes, but it's only a CD set. There's no vinyl version. I own, like, two. I own the IBM one and one of his soundtracks, but, like, that's it. And I want all the rest. And it's just so beautiful. Uh, he, there's one called Last and First Men. It's a soundtrack to a film he made, apparently. I need to see this film. Uh, when I listened to it, I thought it was the First Man soundtrack for, you know, the space movie with Ryan Gosling. But it's not. He's this separate film he made, and it was just beautiful. And, like, Jane loved it, and it was really repetitive and interesting and like I don't know and then I listened to this other one uh, Johan Johansson and the Echo Collective Johansson 12 Conversations with Thilo Heinzman I don't know who the Echo Collective is and I don't know who Thilo Heinzman is but it was a great record but of the two the last and first men soundtrack man that really really moved me that was really great uh, and then my friend Sean uh, sent me their new album Sean is in a band called Freeze Pop been a synth band has been around for about 20 years they are really great. Uh, this was their Kickstarter album. It's a little late. I think it's been about two years since Kickstarter. But, uh, you know, there's also an incredible amount of follow-up material coming. An entire second bonus album, a workout album, a covers album. It is going to deliver, ultimately. But the album, main album is called Fantasizer. It is done. I listened to the mastered version. The CDs are back. I don't think they've put it up on... I don't think it's released yet. I don't think it's on Spotify or anything like that. But it is imminent. So it was great. Uh, it sounded a lot like kind of like the last Freeze Pop record, which is pretty remarkable given the sort of, you know, I, lo- I love the consistency of that band. And it's been a while and it sounded, it's solid, man. It's a good record. Strongly recommended. Uh, then, yeah, let's see. And also the Trees, Wolfgang Press, Billy Eilish. We talked about those. Minecraft Volume Beta. The guy that makes the Minecraft music uh, has had two volumes of soundtracks released, and Ghostly has done the vinyl pressings for those. I missed out on volume alpha. I deeply regret it, and now they're like 200 bucks. So I was like, I'm not going to miss volume beta. And so I got that. It's a lenticular cover. It's really awesome. It sounds amazing. It's really, you know, like a really sophisticated, clever soundtrack. There's like whole string movements, whole synth movements, whole ambient movements. Very diverse, but it all ties together. It's very well done. And I kind of desperately want the first one now. I did not know. I was late to the Minecraft soundtrack game. But uh, God, yeah, they're great. Uh, Fiona Apple, Fiona Apple. I mentioned this last week. Uh, well, Fetch the Bolt Cutters came in, and then I finally also I got a copy of When the Pond. Dot dot dot. That really long title. Uh, first U.S. Vinyl Edition. Vinyl Me Please is doing it. And I've been so pro Fiona Apple because of Fetch the Bolt Cutters this year. I was like, okay, I need to get that one. Uh, last year, coincidentally, before she put this album out, before any of this, uh, Vinyl Me Please did her first record as a monthly edition. So I got that. So now I have three Fiona Apple records on vinyl. It's awesome. And I had never listened to Win the Pond. That's probably not true. I think I listened to it once when it came out because the press was so weird. I knew I had to listen to it, but I didn't remember it at all. And it's really good. And like Fiona Apple is incredibly talented and I should have been paying more attention the whole time. And I profoundly regret that. Uh, Buena Vista Social Club, another Vinyl Me Please update. Uh, you know, I it's good. Like, uh, I've always been aware of the movie because I'm a huge Vim Vendors fan, but I didn't really care. I was, like, too cool for that kind of music when it came out. So I, I didn't see that Vim Vendors film. It's probably the only one I've never seen. And I never really listened to it. But now I'm in a different place in life, and I'm like, yeah, this record's awesome, man. So I've been listening to that a few times. Uh, you know, I mean, it won an Oscar. So if you know it, you know it. If you don't, and you're into, like, weird Cuban music, check it out. 
then there's a new release on my friend Gibby's label, Dias Records. Uh, well, he's one of the partners. And uh, it, he just tweeted out a picture of it. And I was like, well, I've loved the last few releases, so I'm going to give it a shot. And it's this guy named Raphael Anton Izari. Irisari. Don't know anything about him. The new album was called Peripatella, and it was awesome. And I was like, oh, my God, it's super ambient, mellow. Uh, yeah, like... Uh, uh, what do they call that? That sort of sound, they, uh, granular. Like it sounded like like a lot of granular VFX to it. And, uh, and then I listened to another album who is called The Northmen. More of the same. Just great stuff if you're into like the mellow ambient sort of experimental thing. For it's great for reading and writing that sort of stuff. Raphael Anton Iris Sari. They're both on Spotify. Uh, then somebody, oh, uh, Paul got me into, well, mentioned this new box set coming out by this guy, Lobby Sifra, and I didn't know anything about him. I was like, I don't know anything about this guy, but I'll check him out. So I listened to like the two CD, uh, best of called the music of Lobby Sifra on Spotify. And it was not what I was expecting. I thought this was going to be like, just based on the name, knowing nothing about him. I thought it was going to be sort of like a Nusrat Fatah Ali Khan kind of thing, world music. And it's got some world influences, but if anything, the closest would be like, you know, Sile Johnson or like maybe some like Detroit, a little bit of Motown, a little bit of gospel. It was really fantastic. I just, I didn't know anything about this guy. I still don't. I just listened to it like three or four days ago and I was like, this is amazing. And I started like five tracks, but I haven't gotten and read up on him or anything like that. But he's slowly becoming a new one of my obsessions, this lobby Sifra guy. For all I know, he's like a legend in the world and I sound like such a, a plebe. But that, you know, that happens. Like there's always people you didn't know about that were hugely influential. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I try not to be ashamed. You can't know everything, right? You just got to keep learning new bands and new artists. And, you know, if one day you discover you should have been listening to John Prine your whole life and you didn't realize until he died and you, then you realize you could have seen him live a bunch of times and you're like, whoops, uh, so that's the breaks. At least now he's in your life and it's better, right? So... Lobby Seifer's awesome. I will be sad someday when I learn I could have seen him or something like that. Or I don't know, maybe he died. In the, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I'm happy he's in my life now. That's all I'm saying. My friends Christine and Tom. Uh, <laughs> there are some couples that have names that I have two groups of friends, two friend couples with the same married name. So I have two friends couples that are Tom and Christine, right? There's one here in, in North Carolina and there's one up in New York. So I am referring to the North, uh, the New York Tom and Christine. They have a band and <laughs> it's called Viz and Viz Electrique. Tom's always been in a bunch of bands. Christine's been in bands throughout the years that I've known her. She's probably my oldest friend on the East coast. I met her in 1990. Um, Anyway, yeah, they have, a, they have an album. It's really cool. It's like, uh, it sounds kind of like prog rocky, 60s, maybe a little bit of can, maybe a little bit of craft work. It's electronic, but it's like got a little drone thing going on, a little lo-fi. Uh, it's awesome. And the album is called The Electric Kiss. It's going to be on Bandcamp. Uh, V's and V's, like invisible. V-I-S, I-N-V-I-S, electric. Uh, it does, I don't think it's exposed on Bandcamp yet. The page is up, but the album's not there. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that. That was awesome. The Sheila Divine, uh, my old friend and co-worker Aaron Perino, uh, he is doing kind of like I'm doing with the Facebook posts once a day and the mixtapes. He's putting out old songs once a day on Bandcamp. They're awesome, like demos, outtakes, Sheila Divine stuff. And then he bundles up every 12 or so. It took me a while to figure this out. I, I mentioned earlier Sheila Divine outtakes album came out. This is the second one. Although now this one is called Cabin Fever Chronicles Volume 1. So I think now he's naming them in series order. Um they're great. This one was really good. I really liked it. There's some, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously all over the map. It's like, uh, 
demos and outtakes from guys been i'm sure divine's like what 15 20 years this band's been around so they're all over the place but they're awesome and it's it's a great collection also each individual song is up on Bandcamp, and you can listen to them one by one you don't even have to pay i've been buying them because you know i like to pay for music but uh yeah i caught up with aaron because i was like a little confused because i follow sheila divine on Bandcamp, and i was like why does this thing ping me every day what's going on he's like okay these, these albums you can buy the albums or they listen to me so I'm like, okay thank you so i worked all that out and uh it's great so if you're a sheila divine fan lots of new music and old new music coming up on Bandcamp. tricky has a new record uh it's the best one in ages i bought i bought the last two and i wasn't really into them but I, th- I know I mentioned this. He put out a song around Christmas time, and it was just beautiful. And I was like, "Oh my god, there's going to be a new Tricky." And the album just came out, and it is amazing. And it is depressing. It's dark. His son died, or his daughter died. His child died. I think it was a daughter. So you know, he he was in a pretty dark place. There's some songs that sort of like directly speak to that, kind of like the Nick Cave thing, but even even more painful. He found a new vocalist. Apparently, he was in Poland, about to do a tour, and his vocalist couldn't do the tour. You know, he always Tricky produces albums and he's on them, but he's always got like sort of a female vocal as like a foil. And he saw that saw this woman singing in like a Polish lounge bar, and he was like, "She's the one!" And like now they do this album together. Gave her you know co credit on it, and it's just beautiful. And she's exactly the kind of voice you want on Tricky albums. So that was really good. Fall to pieces, strongly recommended. Uh, Bill Callahan, aka Smog, has a new record called Gold Record. He's been doing the Spotify single teasing thing for several months now, so I knew it was coming, and I knew it was going to be good because the first track, Pigeons, was just phenomenal he just did a uh, a tiny desk concert but he did it in his backyard and it's just <laughs> he's wearing like dad jeans and a polo shirt and he's got like a trumpet player and another guitarist with him and i just love the lo-fi videos that bands are doing bob mould is a new video the album's not out yet but the second single is and that video is just also shot in his garden <laughs> <laughs> and Billie Eilish did a Tiny Desk concert where they shipped them like a fake Tiny Desk stage and they did it in their backyard. It's just, it's been fantastic. But anyway, the new Bill Callahan album is great. I've only given it two listens, but I already heard almost half the album through the advanced singles. So I, you know, I feel pretty confident about saying it's pretty good. It's, it's a solid, it's a solid record, man. That guy is very talented. I live in fear that one day he's going to be me too. And I can't really explain the fear of that, but, uh, Maybe not. And he definitely seems like he's pretty domestic now. <laughs> uh, Thor and Friends. All right, Thor is uh, he's awesome. He's uh, If you've ever seen Phosphor, not Phosphorescent, uh, what's the other one? Well, well, we'll move on. I'll think of that name of that one in a second. But have you ever seen the Swans Live, where that guy with the giant, huge mane of hair and the big drum that's like flailing in the background, he plays with a lot of other bands. And... Uh, he has his own uh, uh, band. It's called Thor and Friends. And so he put out his fourth record. It's got Bill Callahan on it. It's got Lowe on it. It's got a lot of other people on it. Uh, it's it's sort of like, uh, it's really, really good. It's really, really pretty. Kind of a marimba intense and percussive in general, right? The guy, I mean, the guy is the drummer for the Swans. So, I mean, you know, you can imagine the percussion on it, but it is not as noisy as the Swans record. It's pretty. It's, it's uh, it, you know, it gets hard. It may be like in the sort of post-rock vein. It's not like a guitar heavy post-rock record, but same sort of loud, loud quiet orchestral kind of thing going on. And uh, I strongly recommend it. I bought it on vinyl. I had a package deal with Thor and friends three, which I've never listened to, but I follow him on Twitter and he's great on Twitter as well. So I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I bought both those records. They haven't showed up yet, but Thor and friends number four is a really, really great record. Strong recommend there. Uh, the Beths have a new record jump rope gazers. It's really, really 
good. I like the Beths a lot. Driving female fronted guitar rock. Uh, the song Jump Rope Gazers, the title track so far is my favorite song. I've only listened to it twice. Uh, really recommend it though. Um, Og was telling me that our friend Andy Shea was really into the Beths and I don't know if he got that for me in the podcast. He used to listen or if he found them some other way, but, uh, you know, it made me kind of like sad to remember. And I was like, well, there's a new Beth record. Andy would have been happy about that. So I listened to that this week. Uh, Potter Natalazia Zen. <laughs> My friend Colin Iggy hipped me to a new record by Potter Natalazia Zen, which is a trio. Colin Potter of Nurse with Wound and been around doing this for 50 years. Started in the 60s, tapes, the experimental loops, stuff like that. And two other people with the last names of Natalazia and Zen. I can't find the new record online and there's a place to order it, but it's only in England and it's like 30 pounds plus 10 shipping. It's just too much. And so I found the old record on Spotify. Uh, it's called shut your eyes on the way out. And it was great. It's very, it's like a minimalist nurse with wound. So I really enjoyed that. If you're into that sort of thing, uh, Hal Wilner, the musical director of Saturday Night Live, has had a parallel life for the last 20 or 30 years, putting out these interesting compilation record tribute records. Um, you've probably heard of some of them in the past. Let's look some up. Oh my God, he's been doing these since 1981. There's so many of them. He did a, a Thelonious Monk one in 1984, Music of Kurt Weill in 1985. The first one I ever did was heard was Stay Awake, various interpretations of music from vintage Disney films in 1988 that I got because it had Sinead O'Connor on it, but also had Sun Ra and my, uh, Michael Stipe, Ringo Starr. Uh, and then he did Meditations on Mingus, which I very much enjoyed. That came out in 92, had Leonard Cohen on it. That's why I got into that one. Another Music of Kurt Weill one in, in 95. Stormy Weather, Music of Harold Arlen in 2003. Then Leonard Cohen, I'm Your Man in 2006, which, of course, came, came along with the documentary. Uh, I have that one, of course. It's a great record. And then Rogue's Gallery, Pirate Ballads, Sea Songs, and Shanties. I have that one. I didn't actually realize he did that one. as Bono as uh, Jarvis Cocker doing a drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any wrong. A drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any wrong. Uh, anyway, F uh, Fellini, Randy Newman, uh, Bill Withers project. Uh, and he's got a new one is the point of all this. And it is the music of Mark, Mark Bolin and T-Rex. It is awesome. It is called Angel Headed Hipster, the music of Mark Bolin and T-Rex. It's got uh, Nick Cave on it. It's got uh, a beautiful Gavin Friday song on it. It's got Sinead O'Connor. It has uh, Kesha. <laughs> Strong recommend on that. It's very long. It's like a double CD. And if you're a, if you're a Mark Bolin fan, it's, it's really... It's it's solid, man. It's really good. I strongly recommend it. Uh, and then Angel Olsen. I listened to Whole New Mess, which is her solo version of the last album, All Mirrors. She, what she did, she wrote this little thing about it. She's like, I recorded the album alone in Oregon. I got all the songs down. Did my It's basically the demos of All Mirrors. It's called... Um, Oh, God, sorry. It's called Whole New Mess. And uh, it's fantastic, especially if you like All Mirrors, which I think it's kind of interesting, too, because when I remember when I first listened to All Mirrors, I was like, this album is just amazing. It's whole cloth amazing. It just somebody made this out of thin air, and I couldn't even imagine it, right? Like the orchestration, the vocals, the, the instrumentation, the, the, it just blew my mind. And, but it, it wasn't made out of thin air. She worked on it really hard. <laughs> 
and you can tell it's a whole new mess is like a piece of that progression and it just made me even more impressed i think all mirrors is just a fantastic record there's a new bright eyes down in the weeds where the world once was i gave it one listen and it sounds intensely complex and kind of difficult and upbeat and uh the more sort of orchestrated big band sound that bright eyes does versus the intimate acoustic thing that i really prefer with lua and things like that it sounded good don't get me wrong but i i was working when i was listening to it and i was like this needs to be paid attention to more so i'm gonna listen to it actually today i've been meaning to listen to it uh, in the hour I get after our walk when Emma and Grammy and Janet are hanging out and they're outside and I, I get a little time to myself and uh, I get my headphones with me. So I, but it's been raining, so we haven't actually had that time the last few days. So uh, the next day at Chance Again, I'm going to listen to that album in my headphones and give it the attention it deserves because I think it might be really good, but it's too soon to say. And I've always, you know, I'm just going to always be listening to Connor Ober's stuff till the day he dies, even though like it's been a very long time since he made an album that really, really hit me like emotionally, like those first few, but, uh, they're all still good. And I like what he's doing. And uh, like a month or two ago, one of the songs from like a pretty recent album came out when I was out doing morning gardening. I was like, yep, uh, this is really good. I didn't think it was great at the time, but now that I'm listening to it in the right setting and headphones, this is awesome. So that's, I kind of assume that's what's going to happen to this new album when we get to it. Uh, Orville Peck has a new EP, Show Pony. It is pretty solid. Uh, it's got Shania Twain on the last track, which is definitely the best track. Dan Deacon has a soundtrack to a dog grooming movie called Well Groomed, and it is beautiful, melodic, a little bit granular on the atmospherics. Uh, and Dan Deacon, intensely intelligent music, uh, instrumental, obviously, very solid. Uh, and the next few are like bands that I, well, I'll, you know, this, the first one is Miranda sex garden. I was really obsessed with this band back when they came out. I would see them all the time. One of the best shows I ever saw. I was front row watching Miranda sex garden downstairs in the middle East. I was convinced we were like locked in eye contact the whole time. Fell madly in love, blah, blah, blah. But it turns out that after all this time, they had a last album. I didn't even know about called carnival with souls. So I listened to it yesterday and it was awesome. <laughs> I don't know if you're a Miranda. I don't know. But, uh, the first album was all madrigals. And then the second two were kind of like, she got like, like members of the Jesus and Mary chain and spiritualized and made a band. And like, they had a third album or fourth album. And, uh, you know, there's the two, I really liked Suspiria and fairy tales of slavery. And then there's this fourth one called carnival of souls is just as good. There's like a six year gap. So I guess the gap was just long enough that I forgot about them, but it was awesome. And, uh, I strongly recommend it. And then uh, woven hand. So this is a whole other, the same sort of thing. So I don't remember why, but I was, I read something about how crime in the city solution now lived in Detroit. And I was like, that's weird. And you may recall, I've been obsessed with them forever. Saw crime, in the city solution at music hall, Williamsburg went to that Simon Bonnie show at Warsaw and Greenpoint since I lived here. And, um, they had a new album a couple years ago. And anyway, so I was like, they did. And I went and looked and I, you know, I saw these people that played on it and a lot of like guy from the dirt bombs, all these Detroit people. I'm like, I guess they did move to Detroit. And then there's this name. I was like, who's this guy? And I clicked on it. I was like, Oh, it's a 16 horsepower guy. I remember, Oh God, whatever happened to them? That band was really good. 16 horsepower. Turns out the guy has another band called Woven Hand, and uh, he's just been making albums forever. And I just, you know, lost track of them in like 2004. And this guy's got like eight albums as Woven Hand now. And there, so I, I just picked the most recent one called Star Treatment, and I listened to it, and it's it's awesome. I didn't know anything about this Woven Hand band, but uh, you know, same sort of thing as 16 horsepower, a little bit Nick Cave, a little bit Goth, a little bit uh, 
old circus music, a little bit southern gothic, uh, a little bit uh, you know folk, a little bit of yeah, all of it. It's country, you know. It's great. Woven Hand, uh, Star Treatment, strong recommend. So I'm going to be working my way back through the Woven Hand discography. And then similarly, on that last uh, Crime in the City Solution album, American Twilight, Jim White played on it, who was the drummer of The Dirty Three. And, you know, The Dirty Three also includes Mick Turner, who is now basically the only bad seed. He's Nick Cave's, like, sort of foil and collaborative partner on their, like, ten soundtrack albums and the last four or five Nick Cave albums. If you're a Nick Cave fan, you thought the last four or five albums have been a little bit samey. You can blame uh, Nick Turner if you think that they're, like, a great new direction. Ever since uh, Abattoir Blues, you can... Thing. I guess Dig Lazarus Dig was the last one he had other bad scenes besides Mick Turner. Anyway, Mick Turner's been busy with Nick for a while, and I was like, well, what's Jim White been up to? And Jim White was doing a bunch of cool stuff, including the Crime of the City Solution album. But then I was reading there his, his Discogs page, and there, it turns out that the Dirty Three, Jim and Mick, both were in a band before the Dirty Three called Venom P. Stinger. And I was like, really? They were in a band before the Dirty Three? How did I never know this? And, um, uh, so they have a compilation on Spotify in 1986 to 1991, and it's like 20 songs of like awesome sort of late 80s punk, uh, like kind of like the you know the like sort of more raw like birthday party ish almost you know like not like melodic punk pop like punk and uh so now i'm like oh okay i get like nick cave's been really into these dudes they probably all grew up in the same scene you know, you know? like it's crazy anyway venom p stinger were awesome i was listening so, and you could definitely get the the grinder man influence as well so that was pretty cool and then my friend doug sent me an album yesterday called city girl is the name of the act don't know anything about it just listened to it this morning called time falls like moonlight beautiful melodic instrumental mellow twee really nice really enjoyed it i don't know anything about them yet but uh if you're into that sort of thing time falls like moonlight by city girl and then right before this podcast uh the new doves album is finally out been listening to the singles was very excited just gave the new album first listen and it sounds awesome man it sounds like a doves record there's one song on there that wasn't one of the four new singles that they put out in advance of the album that i was just like oh my god this is sounds almost as good as words did back in the day or there goes the fear so maybe i'm a little over hyping it because i'm obsessed with doves and i'm like really excited there's a new album and uh maybe it's not as good but the first listen i'm like wow that is a great record that is a great record Whew. Uh, that's all the albums there have been some singles we can do these quick this is getting long. <laughs> I wonder if anybody actually listens to the whole hour of this. My friend Nick does this thing in his New York Nick, not Wilmington Nick, in his uh, Instagrams. He's like, if you're still reading this at this point, leave an emoji a comment with a pizza or something like that. So if you're still listening to this, leave an emoji comment with a pizza. Not that there's any place to leave a comment. Uh, anyway, new Bruce Springsteen single, new album coming out with the E Street Band. The single's called Letter to You. I really enjoyed it. Giving it two listens. Sounds awesome. Second time I was in my headphones gardening and I was like, this is amazing. Uh, the Gorillas have a new single, which is with Robert Smith, and it sounds like the Gorillas and the Cure mixed together in the best possible way that could be. So strong recommend on that one. Heathered Pearls, uh, electronic act on Ghostly Records, has a new album coming out. There's one song out called Salvaged Copper. I've not ever been a huge Heathered Pearls fan, but I really like this song. So I think I'm going to give this new album a check out. But, uh, you know, melodic, awesome uh not ambient it's got a beat to it but sophisticated mellow electronica super good there's a new new order single called be a rebel i listened to it once i was like oh this is terrible and i'm not like a new order snob about their new stuff i think their last album was like one of their best records ever and so i'm just like kind of a uh, stumped about it i don't know i need to give it more listens 
but it's not a promising start. I'm a little worried. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. If you like the new New Order song, drop me a line and let me know. Maybe I can get into it. Uh, Phineas, Billie Eilish's brother, has a new single. What they'll say about us it sounds a lot like the last Billie Eilish song, which makes sense because he writes them with her and produces them. But uh, it's pretty good. I really, I was into that. Uh, Adrian Lenker had a single called Anything that sounded really promising. And Kevin Moby, Morby has a new single called Campfire, both from forthcoming albums. Uh, Adrian Lenker, I think I learned about from Pitchfork, and they're like, this album's amazing, and the album's not out yet, but the single was, so I just tagged it, and they're right, it sounds really good, So, but we'll talk more about that when the album comes out, and same with the Kevin Morby one, but if you're a fan, that does sound pretty promising for a new single. I have watched no television. I just watched, well, MSNBC, keeping up with the news, we're going to go light on the politics this time, but, uh, you know... All those new books coming out, the Michael Cohen book, the Melania's Friend book, the Bob Woodward book, all that shit. Keeping up on all that shit. Keeping up on the fires. Keeping up on all the, like, different ways this election could go to shit. Trying not to worry about it. Donating money. Trying to stay engaged. But beyond that, just watching YouTube videos all the time. A lot of concerts. Washed Out has a really great, like, live-at-home concert. Bill Callahan, uh, Billie Eilish, uh, you know, I watch a lot of those. I watch a lot of instructional stuff or a lot of videos about composting. <laughs> uh, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, shipping containers. This woman I found, she's like an architecture analyst named Belinda Carr. Follow her channel. I basically will follow any YouTube channel that's got an interesting video now. She seems really interesting. She like had this whole thing about why well, shipping containers are a scam. There's this company called Antenna that makes these amazing sort of sea pod floating domiciles for rich people that I'm like fantasizing about floating away in. Uh, I was like, kind of like there's this company called Rome Research. I was watching their stuff. It's like an Evernote, but with like tagging. I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's for me, but I was because they don't have native apps. But I was sort of looking at their stuff. A lot of home improvement, a lot of gardening. Gardening. This weird dude in New Jersey named James Pergiulini coming at you live from Jersey with the gardening show. Uh, he looks like a bro, but he's actually like this tender, tender soul. <laughs> Uh, this old ad dude from Austin that bought like a ghost town north of Death Valley and has been trying to like renovate it. Got a bunch of investors, but the hotel burned down and it's pretty dark, but I'm kind of into it. Mainly, I just watch like, like watching his naive initial optimism fade as he has to hunker down and get badass and actually fix the place. You know, I just watch a lot of this stuff these days. We did watch the Bill and Ted new movie. We finished two, and then we watched three. I'm glad we watched two. Major plot connections between two and three. Three is just another two. I mean, or one. It's just another Bill and Ted movie. They didn't make it, like, raunchy. They didn't make it meta. They didn't do any of that. They just made another Bill and Ted movie, man. That kind of warms my heart. And then we watched the Mike Birbiglia stand-up. We're slowly watching them all. We just watched the second to last one. Thank God for jokes. We watched that last night. That was very good. He did a segment on police brutality, and it was funny, and it was, like, four years ago, and it's dead on, and, like, that guy's pretty woke. <laughs> it's pretty impressive, you know? Uh, you can make a Black Lives Matter. You can make a defund the cops. You can do all that in, in comedy form, it turns out. So props to Mike Birbiglia. I did not see that one coming. But uh, that's about it. And then on the book front, I'm still reading that John Cain's book, the biography of John Maynard Keynes, And it's awesome. And I'm almost done with it now. And I've learned a ton. It's nuts. It's nuts. But we'll save that to when it's over since we just hit the hour mark. And we, I think, are going to peace out. Uh, diet's going well. Work's going well. Yeah, man. I think we're done.
thank you for listening. I will talk to you guys in two weeks. I hope your lives are going okay. Drop a line. I love to hear from you guys. Tell me how your quarantine's going. Ask me questions or just say hi uh, and uh, take care. We'll talk soon.